Welcome to the Distro One Podcast, episode 13, Comic Book Madness! Welcome to the show, everybody. It's randomdistribution.com's flagship podcast covering everything geek culture, t-shirt reviews, artists from around the world, and more. I am your co-host, Seth, the Franz Franzol, and with me, as always... It's Justin. And coming up in this next half hour, we are talking comic books, and more specifically, uh, the comic book projects that are making their way to... The silver and small screens, we're going to be talking some projects from Marvel and DC, from movies, TV shows, upcoming projects, kind of gauging our thoughts with how some of the comic book movies have been uh, going at the last few years. Also, we've got an artist of the month, a Pittsburgh's own Gary Morgan, uh, we'll, we'll be discussing, and also a t-shirt kind of in the vein of of the, our related topic from jinx.com and so yeah justin what's uh what are we doing here How- so uh we're talking about the page to screen sort of takeover that's going on these days right um it seems that that comics are the new um sort of i don't know how else to put it but a simple way to um write a story without actually having to write a story right but it also um is a way to tap into sort of a fandom that already exists. Right. Um, Because you have uh, a lot of people that that read comics, read comics, or at least in some way followed the characters related to comics. Because, um, you know, the the folklore, um, or at least the word of mouth of these comic characters, travels. I mean, you might have had one friend that read comics growing up, and like that friend carried on the legends and lore of like all the comics and shared that with you. And, you know, and those are great stories that, you know, you remember to, to this day. Um, uh, in my case, uh, I had a friend, Gary, who was uh, really into comics and he kind of like got me interested. And like I started actually collecting uh, Marvel comic cards for a long time. Yeah, uh, I yeah, had a couple I remember sets those. of cards. Yeah. And uh you know, that's where I got all of my, like, what little comic knowledge I have is from doing that. Uh, and then along came Seth Franzoli. Well, yeah, yeah. And that, uh, holy crap, did I get a lot of comic knowledge from that guy. Yeah, well, I've been, you know, reading and collecting, you know, over half my life. And Marvel, Marvel was the big company for me. I mean, you can kind of do uh, do uh, some people, like, musically, and some people say you're a Beatles fan or an Elvis fan. So that kind of translates into... A Marvel Comics fan or a DC Comics fan, and I was always the Marvel guy, especially early on. Like X marked the spot with me. It was always all the X Men titles, every single one of them. But coming back around, ever since you know, speaking of, I guess Marvel, I guess the House of Ideas, that is uh, Marvel Comics. Ever since you know 2008, whenever Marvel Studios put out a little movie called uh, Iron Man. They and, just started to blow up. Yeah, and Iron Man was such a nice um, reintroduction to that character. Uh, they kind of modernized the character without losing the essence of Tony Stark. Right. Um, and you know, and in today's day and age, I mean, you have to take some of these characters uh, and modernize them a little bit. I mean, because if you look uh, at you know where they came from and some of their origins, um, they were created like in the '60s. Yeah. You know, so yeah. everything is sort of relative to that time frame. But what you don't want to do is lose the essence of that character. I mean, like Tony Stark, 
number one, arrogant. Right. Number two, a playboy. Right. Number three, a drunk. Right. Like, you didn't want to lose those aspects of his character because, yeah, like, those were things that really gave him, uh, you know, some human qualities. Yeah. Um, and allowed for a love-hate relationship with that character, which is, I think, in, in Heroes is necessary right. so that you can sort of connect with them, uh, you know, as a human. Yeah, bringing more of an... Uh human element to it, especially with Tony Stark being a very con- uh, complex character, but really digging how, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr., how he really encapsulated a lot of, like, the arrogant playboy, but with, you know, the troubled genius kind of thing, and ever since that film, all that you can... The quality of the sequels is debatable, granted... Uh, but ever since Iron Man, it go, and it goes on to, to Captain America and the Thor films, and then of course that culminates into the Avengers film from a few years back, and now with uh, Avengers Two, the Age of Ultron's coming in. But usually, but more topical topical is uh, the the Ant Man project that is essentially been. Well, it's having its problems right now. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we've seen it all over social media, all over the internet, how Edgar Wright, uh, for those not familiar, he was the director of, like, Shaun of the Dead. He's a UK-based uh, filmmaker. So it was Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. He did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And he was on, and he's been on the Ant-Man project with Marvel for years. And eventually it came down to, from what the sources online have reported, that some other producers, some other higher-ups did some rewrites that, like, without his knowledge. And he did not care. That was not his vision of the film. And he backed out. He said, you know what? I'm gone. And this was, you know, whenever the casting, like, Paul Rudd from the mm-hmm. Judd Apatow films, like Anchorman, Anchorman 2. And uh, even Michael Douglas was scheduled to play Henry Pym, like Hank Pym. Which we'll go maybe get into this a little later. Like if you, Hank Pym, for the people that know, he was known as the original Ant Man, and he had a slew of other secret identities throughout his career with the Avengers. But he created Ultron. So why leave him out of Avengers Two when the subtitle of the film is the Age of Ultron? But anyway, so yeah, we're hoping, and we wanted to ask though too, everybody out there is. What should happen now with all this debacle, you know, I mean, you don't want to maybe not, not want to say Ant-Man gate. But yeah, but is it, is it worth it to pursue an Ant-Man movie at this point? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of people have been calling for like, this is uh, with all the success they've had with Marvel Studios, they're going to let, if they, you know, they're worried that, you know, this one little hiccup with the changing of the directors and the script it's like, is this going to be like the blemish on their relatively, you know, successful film, you know, cinematic universe? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, these Marvel films have been killing it. And most of the franchises have stayed, while bringing them current, have stayed very true to the character backgrounds, stayed very true to the to the stories. I mean, right? There's some, there's some, uh, you know, artistic uh, license that's been taken in order to bring them up to date, but for the most part, they haven't, they haven't watered down the characters. 
They um, they've tried to keep really really detailed and uh, you know and solid backstories, and just I would hate for you know for something like this to be the movie that they, you know they they take the low road on right and it becomes you know one of those B rate you know B class films while they have this whole litany of A class films that are out there right now yeah yeah so I know that there was a speculating I do believe that they they do have another director for the ant-man on deck uh i guess we're gonna have to let like all of you we're gonna have to wait and see uh how this goes but yeah ever since that was the kind of the big the big hiccup right now is the ant-man film but but then you have you going from iron man to the you know captain america to the thor films and they are building up to avengers but they're also with Avengers 2 coming out, but then also in this summer, in August, we're going to having the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a really kind of odd, not necessarily a curveball, but it's kind of like you've based all like the major characters surrounding the Avengers to throw out this film, which has every inclination to be a great, you know, science fiction action fi- action adventure film, but they're pretty minor characters. Right, in the Marvel Universe, they're a they're a small subset. I mean, they're they're you know there's a tiny following there. Yeah. Um, comparatively to to some of the you know some of the other groups, you know, X Men, Avengers, Fantastic Four, Four yeah. all of that stuff. But we've been talking about this, and before uh, before either of us had seen the you know the ending of Thor, we were already speculating. So we'll we'll pass along our speculations as to why. They're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, yeah, and how it ties into the overall tie of, um, you know, everything that's you know that's being developed or has already you know that, or is under development, um, and everything that's transpired thus far in these films. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I had a uh, being some having some knowledge with the Marvel universe uh, through my years of uh, collecting and reading comics. It was kind of cool once you saw you know Thanos in one of the the ending credit scenes in the first Avengers and what you've seen from the hidden the hidden uh, well post credit scene from the second Thor movie that uh, the dark world and I had a I had a feeling like well you know they could really do and so now when you see now spoiler alert if you haven't seen the Thor movies I'll give you ample warning now with the with the second Thor movie you see Sif and Oh, I believe it's uh, one of the heroes three. The name escapes me at the moment, but uh, they 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 go to the cosmic character, the being, the collector, and so they're they're and they're handing over one of the one of the gems, and so I was that cemented for me because I always had it, the idea like it would be really great to do an Infinity Gauntlet. As, and it looks to me that seeds are being planted, and we'll have to look for this in August when Guardians come out. Like, there, it's officially in the works that the like the Infinity Gauntlet may come to a head years down the road for Avengers three. But let me ask you about this Infinity Gauntlet. You know, um, when we've talked about this in the past, but how do you do the Infinity Gauntlet without the Silver Surfer? Yeah, uh, and yeah. as we, you know, as uh, well, any of us that uh, follow in the movies know, like. Marvel doesn't even have the rights to the Fantastic Four anymore, and with the Silver Surfer being part of that that movie series, they don't have the rights to Silver Surfer. No. And if you're going to do an Infinity Gauntlet saga, 
Um, how do you do it without the Silver Surfer? Yeah, that's. I a mean, pretty... what the hell do you do? Yeah, because he's pro. He was one of the main characters in that whole. He that was like the climactic scene. And he was pivotal. Yeah, in the outcome of of that story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And without him, and hopefully, and a lot of I'm sure a lot of the fans, you know, myself included. Would be like you gotta work something out with Fox, you know, 20th Century Fox and Sony. You gotta get the rights back because you know, especially with the with the uh, Amazing Spider-Man kind of reboot series that we're on, like the second one now, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. And and I'll save my comments on that till till a little bit later before we get into our T-shirt of the month. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of yeah, that kind of ties in with our themed uh, T-shirt of the month this uh, this episode, but but then you have you know the 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 outcry of a lot of the casting choices for the new Fantastic Four film. Uh, we're not gonna not get too much into that because I know that that can be a sensitive topic, you know, especially with the certain ethnicities of certain characters cast. And I think the uh, 20th century Fox might be rethinking some decisions. I'm not sure. So we're just going to have to follow, follow that and see what transpires. My big, my big thing with Fox is they're, they're really hampering the ability for these stories to be, developed and and integrated the way they were in the comics. There was a lot of crossover in the comics. Yeah, Marvel, yeah, Mar- the, the Marvel universe was huge into that. Like and, a, and it made sense because the, you know, they supposedly all lived in the same world. There's there's no way they wouldn't come across each other if they're these super beings or special beings or um in the term they're not allowed to use mutants. Yeah. Um <laughs> well, well on uh, Marvel Studios it seems, but yeah. So, you know, if if they're not allowed to, you know, to work these and integrate these, you know, stories together, how are, you know, I think Fox is really shooting themselves in the foot and they're giving themselves a bad name by not wanting to share. Yeah. Um, and I, I realize they've got to make, you know, they've got to make their money too. Um, they've got shareholders and blah, 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 right, blah. Right. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they're giving themselves a bad name. And honestly, my personal opinion, they're not producing the quality that the Marvel Studios is producing in yeah. terms of story quality. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I I couldn't agree more. And I know that uh, it would be great if at some some point, if Marvel gets them. I mean, what? A, but my only my only concern is if the rights do change hands and Marvel gets the rights, because I mean, you have to understand. I mean, people that might not be familiar with with the comic book history of Marvel, like ninety. Percent, or that's like, of course, that could be debatable, but 90% of the entire Marvel comic book universe was introduced in the first 102 issues of the Fantastic Four. Like, it was huge. That book with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby was huge in setting the foundation for everything that came before. It kind of created the whole universe, right? In terms of, you know, like that would be Marvel's Big Bang right there. Yeah. So I mean, so to, we've been on the movies a lot. There's also some uh, there's also some small screen stuff that's uh, that's out right now, right? And some uh, and some stuff that is forecasted, um, and even some stuff that may even be confirmed at this point. But uh, one of the things that's out right now is the uh, Marvel Agents of Shield, right? And I'm I'm feeling a little lackluster about it. Yeah. Um, not that the 
not that the guy, you know, the actors are doing a, a, a bad job. It just seems like um, they're dumbing down some of the, you know, some of the characters that you interact with. And they're, I, I mean, maybe it's a right, you know, it's a names rights thing or something like that. Yeah. But they're not, there's a gazillion B-list characters that they could be bringing into this. Right. And really piquing, like, you know, the comic book enthusiasts with, you know, with these stories. Like, really bringing them into the fold. But they're not using any of these guys. You know, they have a guy that, you know, like we were talking about, they have, you know, a, a Japanese guy with, that can create fire, and all of a sudden he's, you know, not that character. He's some other character. Yeah, he's not Sunfire. Sunfire. That's, that was he's searching for some other guy. And then, you know, like, in like the, even the in the premiere episode, you have, you know, this African American man, like J. August Richards, who we all know from uh, Angel, as Charles Gunn, and like, you see him with some super strength and stuff, and everybody got excited. It's like, oh, this is going to be Luke Cage. You know, this is going to be Power Man. That's going to be great. But no, he's just some other random dude. That has, quote unquote, mutant powers that they're not allowed to call them. Well, yeah. Well, it was more of a scientific experiment. <laughs> In his case, yeah. 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 But, but then you have that. But I will say this. like Once the Winter Soldier came out, and they're, then they're doing that tie-in, yeah, the first seat was real slow. And I, I, I watched them. I sat through them because I was waiting. Although I will say this, they did a great job with, with bringing in Franklin Hall, a kind of a uh, C-list supervillain who, in my opinion, should never be a C-list villain. It was uh, Graviton. They actually tweet, like, hinted at Graviton, you know, the master of, uh, the master of gravity. Uh, but yeah, they, they do, they'll do that, but then they won't really... And it, it, only the last couple of... Episodes from the from the from the last season actually got good, so I'm hoping I'm cautiously optimistic. Hopefully that'll be up. It's uh, the the next season, which I do believe that was picked up for a new season. That would be hopefully we'll see some things changing and maybe get some get some things going. And yeah, and like let's let's tie some of these characters that you know that don't get major play in the X Men or Avengers. Or, well, here's like, a, a ton of guys that you can bring in. That have a huge like background behind them because I mean they made these books for years. They have yeah. these great background stories. They've got all this great information to work from. Yeah, um, they could really tie it into the fandom of like these characters. And the, like I think the first season missed the boat on that. Yeah, and especially because I know a lot of I'm reading a lot of stuff like on social media and different things online. Like when you watch the Avengers, the two characters that were kind of left out in the cold were the Black Widow and Hawkeye. It's like, why not they have those characters pop up as cameos right. on the shield, you know? And and then here's, here's here's the thing is I'm not gonna complain, like the production quality is good. Yeah. Even the writing is good. Like the stories are good, but I think they're just uh you know, they're just a little lackluster in the fact that, you know, you're you're watching something that's Marvel and you really want to see Marvel characters in it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, so Joss Whedon, you get your uh brother and sister in law who are essentially the the producers for that? Get on that. We want to see some actual Marvel, true Marvel characters, and that, who are, I believe there might be a flashback with uh, Sharon uh, Sharon Carter from the first Captain America movie somehow, and maybe some flashback. So and I something. super lamed out on that. I didn't even realize that was a Joss Whedon thing. I just I yeah. Just, I, I think that the writing is good, and that you know the actors are doing great, and the production quality is great. Uh, I'm just bummed out that they're not like. Pulling, pulling from this, you know, huge bench that they've got of characters. Yeah, that it's they been could bring decades, in. decades upon decades. Even like, even like the characters like you know, like Franklin Hall, Graviton. Like, get those, 
Get some of those guys in the, you know, get them warming up in the, you know, in the bullpen. Like, let's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, get them, even if it's just, like, in the opening sequence before the episode starts, at least show, like, them taking down, like, one of those D-list villains. But anyway, and, and kind of keeping with the theme, uh, kind of uh, transferring away from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we actually got uh, some, some news coming from Marvel's deal with Netflix. And oh, they've got... And I'm, uh, I'm actually excited about this, and yeah. I, hope it, I hope they do a really good job with it. Yeah. Um, Daredevil. Yeah, right? Daredevil's coming out for Netflix, and they've already locked down two of the main characters. We have uh, the actor uh, Charlie Cox, you may know him from as the lead Tristan in Stardust, and also his time in uh, Boardwalk Empire. And of course you have, which Charlie Cox being Matt Murdock, Daredevil, but then you have Vincent D'Onofrio from you've seen him in you know men in black he's mostly more popular in law and order criminal intent he's going to be the kingpin and i think that i think that's a good choice because i think he brings this very very like serious element to that character yeah uh and i i think he's going to do a really good job with it yeah yeah so i yeah we can't wait for that and, and i'm sure going if if you if the pattern like like netflix pattern of shooting everything at once and then putting it all on per season like they do with House of Cards and Orange of the, is the New Black. And so that's going to be interesting. And also, rumor has it that Daredevil through Netflix is going to spawn some other small screen stuff like a Luke Cage TV series, an Iron Fist Netflix series, which will then eventually move into uh, the Heroes for Hire. Which would be great. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, you'll get to see, because one of my favorite uh, books from the, from the you know, 70s, 80s is a Power Man and Iron Fist. And there you can almost kind of think of them as like the Starsky and Hutch of the Marvel Universe. Like that street <laughs> level, like those street level dudes, you know, one's, you know, like a rough and tumble guy from the streets. The other guy's a Kung Fu master from some mystical realm and they just team up and they just solve crime and like people get hired as like almost like private detectives. So that's going to be pretty, that's going to be pretty yeah, and, cool. And, and through all of this stuff, they're, they're hinting at some, some more stuff coming out, some more movies. Yeah. Because we haven't, well, we haven't really talked of uh, Days of Future Past, the new X-Men. Yeah. With that. But then, but here's also the, the odd thing though too, is because you have like, it's kind of what I call the tale of two Maximoff twins. When you've got Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch in Days of Future Past, but you're also, they're going to be appearing in Avengers 2. But then it's like, one of them, rumor has it, one of them, like the X-Men movie, they're going to be mutants. And actual, like, the children of Magneto, as they were in the comics. But then you have, in the Avengers, they can't really do the mutant thing. Right. So they might be doing something like an inhuman kind of thing, which is, that's also down the road, maybe a Black Bolt inhuman movie or tv series or whatever but yeah I mean, that's kind of like why even why even bother then yeah i mean why do you, why do they need to be part of the that avengers movie yeah especially whenever you know it's the age of ultron if you don't even put hank pym the creator of ultron I and mean, you're gonna bring quicksilver in like hey yes we need a quick guy in here i guess yeah but uh because but no, dc's gonna do the flash soon so yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll cover that a little yeah later. we'll get we'll, we'll get but to like, that Fast seems to be on the track, so like let's get it involved in everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we got to tie in. We got to get those deals with like the like Nike and Reebok running shoes. So we got to get that. But yeah. So that was kind of a, kind of covering uh, 
what I'm excited for is I want to see how they can they pull it off. As there's been hints at Do- at uh, Doctor Strange, yeah, and I have always liked the Doctor Strange, uh, you know, mythos. I thought that was just a really well done thing, and I enjoyed his character being the master of mysticism. Yeah, but of course, like in, in his history and in, in his background origin story too was was really interesting, simply because. He's very much like a like a Tony Stark character, where he was this brilliant neurosurgeon, who you know was people traveled from all over the world to get his you know consultations and his operations, and he gets in that car accident and his hands get just mangled in the wreckage, and so he has some permanent nerve damage. So that freaking arrogant, ends his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, and the arrogant prick was like, you know what? Well, conventional medicine isn't going to help me, you know get my hands back so I could still be a rich doctor. I'll just go to Tibet and study magic. So it was like the, the origin wasn't maybe not the most like altruistic, but he eventually, you know, grows learns, into that character. Yeah, learns to, you know, that he has a more of a purpose in this world than just, you know, making all this money. It kind of grows surgery. into his morality. <laughs> yeah, essentially. I mean, it kind of similar to uh, some, some parallels to Tony Stark. But yeah, so now, kind of covering Marvel. Well, I, I want to say one more thing about about Marvel. Sure. And, uh, this will this will like take us right into our T-shirt of the month topic, and that is the Spider-Man movies. I am a right. fan of Spider-Man. Yeah. I think I think it's absolutely fantastic. I love the character. Uh, I love you know the Amazing Spider-Man TV show when I was a kid. Right. Like you can't you can't knock it. How many more? Friggin' times do I need to see him get bit by a spider yeah. and become Spider-Man? Right. We all know the friggin' origin. Yeah, it, like, it's, it's like <laughs> that's uh, enough. Yeah, the two the two characters that they never have to do another origin story ever is Peter Parker and Bruce Wayne. We know, we know what happens. Radioactive spider. Parents get killed, and he, and he, you know, and Bruce Wayne, you know, focuses on, you know, being the savior of Gotham City with a big bat suit. We know, and yes, I agree. If anyone were to say those were the two most iconic, greatest origin stories in not just comics but like literature and in the aspects of protagonists and heroes, those are the two of the best. Yeah, but you don't need to fucking tell us that same story every week. It's like going to the bar and hanging out with that guy that tells the same story every time you're there. Yeah, because he was too like, drunk to remember. Because he's too drunk to, to remember that you've already heard it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. That is my that's my nerd rage. Yeah, fuck and, that. And okay, and yeah. And speaking of rage, Justin, when the fanboys are raging about all the stuff they don't like about the movies, all the creative licenses, what do you think they should be uh, wearing whenever they're on their uh, on their uh, compl- bitching and moaning? I think they should be wearing the Distro 1 t-shirt of the month. I say, I, th- I think you're right. And that's our nerd rage. Yeah, that's coming from, that's coming from jinx.com. I know uh, you were looking at this one, so. So it's a bright red shirt. Um, so immediately, uh, it grabs your attention, uh, and then it has some black plastic frame glasses sort of looking on it with, uh, a furled brow and it says nerd rage and big and white and exclamation points. And it says hell hath no fury. I, I, I thought for the, you know, for a topic relative to something that's near and dear to my heart, which is the nerd rage I have over the need to continually reproduce 
the same Spider-Man story over and over again that this would be a great show a uh, great shirt for the show yeah and quite honest with you i'd wear that shirt yeah i'd buy that i'd buy that i'd wear that in a heartbeat yeah so that was a check definitely check that out jinx.com the nerd rage t-shirt and we're cutting right back into it now that we're, t- we're taking care of the house of ideas from marvel now we're switching gears we're going to dc and you know of course starting that or what, what you know, talking about the Christopher Nolan trilogy yes. that kind of rebooted Batman. Which I think the that first Batman that came out under, you know, under that director was like you watch that and you see Batman in the, you know, in that prison yard. And, spoilers. Uh, you see Batman in that prison yard and like those dudes like come in to jump him and you're just like, no, no, that's a bad, no, yeah, no, but, you're scared for them because you yeah. know he's going to just fucking start breaking limbs and fingers yeah. and he's going to hurt some people. Yeah, you don't you don't mess around with, with Batman in or, in or out of the costume. He'll mess you up. So And yeah. yeah, I mean, they did such a good job of making him intimidating. Um, yeah. You know, I could have done without the, the gravelly voice. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. whatever, I'll live with it. <laughs> yeah, well, he has to do something to, to change up. It's not like he's going to be George Clooney and just be like George Clooney in a rubber suit. I mean, he had to try to alter his his voice or his 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 appearance and look somehow, you know, so he's not recognized. I would have to say though, it is probably more intimidating if a dude jumps out or flies down, appearing like as like a giant bat, and then he's like, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah, well, he doesn't kill because he's the Batman. Right. I'm going to hurt you badly. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because he's yeah, because he doesn't kill. You know, but uh, but yeah. So mm-hmm. we started that off with like the like Christopher Nolan, and of course, you know, the third one was tough, simply because the Dark Knight, the with the Heath Ledger's the Joker was so good. Oh my goodness! It was hard to hard to watch because how were they should have waited? They should have made the Joker story the third one and just ended on a huge note. But then it's like, but Bane, although Bane's a pretty good character, I was kind of surprised that of all the characters they would have went with Bane. But they they, they did a pretty good story, although he did kind of sound like Tom Hardy, kind of sounded like Sean Connery with a scuba gear on. But anyway. <laughs> I did. I did like. I, I like him sticking with that League of Shadows thing. Like, yeah, that ties. It ties it up, though. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think it's important to have some continuity and and you know not just jump around the you know that particular universe. Right. Uh, and so they stayed pretty you know you know pretty in line with uh, the League of Shadows, which I which I enjoyed. Um, and that kind of brings me to uh, Arrow. Yeah, picked up third season. Has, absolutely, we will see the new season of Arrow soon. So, and I was absolutely prepared to be disappointed with this. Yeah, so so was I, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. I I even avoided watching it deliberately because I didn't want to be disappointed. Right. And okay, they took some artistic license. They they brought it. They they brought it a little bit more modern day, but again, didn't lose the essence of the character. No. Uh, I have to say they did a really good job. Yeah. And. Uh, so don't listen any further past this. Spoilers. Right. Um, they even brought in, you know, League of Shadows type stuff uh, at the time, League of Assassins, which is the original name of right. the League of Shadows. Right. Um, from the from the comic lore, and they they stayed true and really did a good job of modernizing the story and not losing the essence of like those characters and those stories. It was uh, I'm thoroughly impressed with what they've done so far. Yeah, yeah, that's especially with. Uh 
Stephen Amell, who plays Oliver Queen. I mean, yeah, you can complain. And it's kind of like, it's very Batman-esque in a way. But I can't believe it watching the series. I couldn't believe like with the Oliver Queen from the, the comic book history. Like, yes, he was trapped on a deserted island where he learned to be a master at archery. But it was kind of nice that they still use that, but they tweaked it just enough so it didn't sound so ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, it seemed like, you know, he's on that island and he, he that's the weapon that he, you know, he's trained with and that he chooses because it embodies, like the, his teacher, it embodies like, you know, focus and control. Right. And, you know, I like that because that was one of the things that his character prior to becoming Arrow didn't have was right. any focus or control. He yeah. was a he was a rich playboy. Yeah, yeah, he was a, a spoiled, entitled douche. Yeah, but it took you know a couple of years on a deserted island. You know where you have to fight, fight for your life right. daily. Yeah, fighting for your life, dodging bullets and all that other stuff. Like so, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm interested to see where this goes, especially with uh, from the season the season two finale where we won't go into too many spoilers, but it was a pretty some. Some characters were leaving, for lack of a more, you know, spoiler-esque uh, phrase. But some characters are, are gone. It's going to be interesting to see how he comes. Uh, and I, I like how they're I like how they're taking a page from the you know from the Marvel universe uh, stuff that's going on, and they are integrating some of these storylines. Um, and I think that's appropriate because, like I said, like the comics originally, like these. These characters cross paths, yeah. and they're uh, they're they're doing a Flash series that's coming up. Yeah, uh, also and, from the CW. Yep, yeah, same so. CW. Um, and I like how they're keeping all these characters together and kind of tying the storylines together because it makes sense that they would have this crossover because they did in the comics as well. Right. Yeah, and so. like the intros and all of the trailers for this Flash uh, series look really good. Yeah, especially with that they even have. Green Arrow and a few of them, you know, so you know yeah. he's going to be, they're going to be inter- getting some cameos, hopefully in each, in each other's series, going back and forth. I love the fact that John Wesley Shipp, the Flash from the 90s series, plays Barry Allen's father in this one. Yeah, and, and here's what you have to love about that, is like, that 90s series, I loved it. Yeah, I didn't, I... I don't listen to any of the haters. Like I really enjoyed because in the DC world, the flash is one of my favorite characters of all time. So I loved watching that show. And if you look at like, look at the technology and, you know, and, and the capabilities they had to film that, you know, on a, on the budget they had, which from what I understand was not one of the top budgets that was, you know, being dropped on, on television at that point in time, they made it work. And I thought they did a great job with it. I enjoyed the characters um, you know, they they strayed and stretched a little bit from the original story, but they right. they kept it relatively true. And I I just thought it was a really good series. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to this new Flash series, especially with some of the villains, some of the antagonists that are in there. Like, if you notice in the one full length trailer, you see the swirling lightning, and you see this yellow clad. I mean, that was like the Reverse Flash, which is known as Professor Zoom. And I was kind of shocked, like, wow, man, that, that's a he's a pretty big arch arch nemesis for the Flash. They're right out of the gate. They're throwing Professor Zoom out there, and also it's kind of uh, kind of interesting to see the the Weather Wizard in like the premiere episode yeah, because the Weather absolutely. Wizard was kind of like a D list dude. I mean, I was reading the Jeff Johns the Jeff Johns series years ago, and he actually made him somewhat formidable, but 
like I said, I mean, there's no bad characters. So if you could just like tweak them just enough to be, you know, looks to be a pretty like a much pretty big threat. And but the the show that that that's coming up that that's been out there, I've seen trailers for that I'm most excited about is is Constantine. Yeah, because yeah. number one, that's a character people love to hate. And, and yeah, he's an asshole. Like he's yeah. not a he's not a nice guy. Yeah, but he gets he gets the job done. Right. Which is you know I mean in a lot of the um, DC characters like you don't necessarily love the character because of who they are more so because of what they do. Right. Um, so he kind of falls into that you know into that that bucket. Yeah. And uh, so I'm looking really I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, the the concept. Yeah. Especially whatever because like, you know. Whatever your thoughts and opinions are that in the Keanu Reeves movie, but once you know, I saw the first trailer of Constantine and they actually got you know a sandy blonde haired British man who looks and talks like John Constantine should. I have high hopes for this, uh, I know? do as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they did a great job casting this guy, yeah. So it's going to be interesting, and hopefully, and here. In the one trailer, speaking of trying to get DC getting on their game, how you know the, the Flash and the Green Lant and the Green Arrow are going to be connected. John Constantine picks up in this one trailer, picks up his helmet, and the helmet is the helmet of the character Doctor Fate, which is like the Sorcerer Supreme of DC. So hopefully, like Doctor Fate's going to make an appearance in uh, the Constantine series, which which would be interesting. So yeah, that's kind of. Uh, and one thing that we've left out is uh, the Green Lantern. Uh, we're both a little bit bummed that the anime series did not didn't go any longer than yeah uh, one season than one season. Yeah, but interestingly enough, I mean, say what you will about uh, the Ryan Reynolds live action movie. Here, I was reading online just today, and I know this was uh, reported a few days ago. I think that was on a moviepilot.com where another live action Green Lantern movie is in the works, but it's going to be Sans Ryan Reynolds. And they're actually doing a more of the for the for the DC fans that are into some of the older series of the series Brave and the Bold. So they're kind of doing a Brave and the Bold film where it's going to be Green Lantern teaming up with the Flash, which could be actually very interesting to see simply because in in the DC universe, the Green Lantern and the Flash are two of my favorite kind of sub mythos kind of characters. Well, and with the Green Lantern, that works, though, because the Green Lantern, uh... He's not always the same person. No, you're right. It, that you know, the torch gets passed, so to speak. Right. Um, so I mean, it's not too hard to imagine that that transition, and you know, and and moving away from Ryan Reynolds as that character, and yeah. moving to somebody else, because uh, it it makes sense in that you know in that universe. Right. Exactly. So yeah. So hopefully, we'll try to keep try to keep you posted on the uh, the Flash Green Lantern live action movie. But yeah, you know, it's. Uh, Speaking of, you know, comic books, uh, <clears throat> movies, television, it's all an art form and every live, every full length episode here, we always uh, want to give a shout out to an artist that we, that whose work we enjoy. It's a man or woman who, whatever medium they use, there's a pretty great, talented people. And uh, Justin, who do we have on deck today? Gary Morgan. <laughs> and Gary Morgan's uh, art... Uh, from what I, you know, what I've experienced is he has these really well done 
uh, black and whites um, yeah. with this incredible shading. Um, you know, and I, I've spent some time where I was into really into photography and I was much more into the soft focus and like the, you know, the less like stark and like really, really hard lines. And uh, I just love the way his style comes together. Um, it has a nice soft blend and all of the, you know, all of the line transitions are very, you know, soft and they, it gives it everything this very, um, movement and, uh, you know, fluid sort of, uh, a feel to it. And I just really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's done a lot of work. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh based artist. He's just, he's done a lot of work with Abingdon press. I know he's done some things like some illustrations for the Christian world of the Hobbit. He's done some middle earth lord of the rings illustrations i know he's he's worked with uh right author elizabeth Kristen on pants on ants which is a children's book which also uh tricks you into learning languages and having how uh, how the children recognizing different sounds so it's more not just a enjoyable children's book with a nice story but it's also educational which i think that's great uh he's also worked with he's done some illustrations for an exhibit uh chutz like chutz pal i hope i'm saying that right for the uh, three chutz, rivers arts festival this year Chutzpa, like chutz yeah chutz yeah, like just like chutz but it's <coughs> yeah. chutz uh and pow pow yeah yeah okay so yeah he's, he's done some work for that definitely and he's done yeah he's a great great i think he like his genre of choice is very very fantasy oriented stuff and he just looks just amazing amazing work definitely give him a chance give him a give him a look you can find his stuff on jmorganart.com you can also find him on facebook at gary.morgan.5243 we'll get that in the show notes yeah we'll have all that stuff in the show notes that'll be just a single click away so definitely can't say that enough and i've met him he's been a part of the art and comic book scene here in Pittsburgh, I've met him several times. He's a great guy, caring, loving family man, you know. And I just, you know, want to say, you know, Happy Father's Day to Gary and to all the all the dads out there too. On this uh, kind of, I guess, a, a Father's Day episode. I guess it's before. our Father's Day show. Yes, uh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think that's just about it for the show. What are we going to be talking about next time? Well, it looks like we've got a micro show coming coming up on deck, a ten minute edition, and we discovered a great live action web series and what what was that from uh, was that machinima machinima off of machinima it's street fighter the assassin's fist it's about a 12 or 13 episode series where it's all live action with kind of the the training of ken and Ryu or ryu or rue however you want to say it and the production quality is fantastic yeah obviously. and we're going to cover that in the next show next yeah we're going to just heavily discuss why we think that uh Street Fighter Assassin's Fist web series is just the total shit. So look for that. And also, as always, thanks for listening, everybody. We do appreciate it. If you want, please let us uh, give us some thanks by going to iTunes, going to Stitcher, subscribe, leave a, you know, leave a comment. Again, I want to thank you to Tony Borer, the Tony Borer Show, for dropping a very positive comment on our iTunes page. We want to appreciate that. And your, and your review is coming real soon, Tony. Believe me. Uh, so yeah, find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media stuff, and look for us around. We'll be uh, drop us a line in, in on the, uh, the voice on the uh, Distro One voicemail. What's that? What's that hotline? Four one two two 
204-7180. All right, and it, and yeah, that is it. That is This is our comic books taking over Hollywood edition, episode 13. We want to say thanks again for everybody. As always, I'm Seth, the Franz Franzoli. And this is Justin. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.